Proverbs chapter 11. As you turn there, our core kids are dismissed. chapter 11 and verse 30 and you got to say so and it says by faith the walls of Jericho fell down after they were encircled for seven days and by faith the harlot Rahab did not perish with those who did not believe when she had received the spies with peace Lord thank you so much for your word today thank you for your greatness thank you for your love thank you for your kindness and mercy Thank you for your presence, God. Thank you for being attentive to our worship, for being attentive to our voice. Thank you for hearing us, Lord God, as we cry out to you, Lord. We acknowledge that there is none like you in heaven or earth. And so we surrender all to you this morning, Lord, and we ask you today to speak to us. Give us ears to hear what you are saying to your church, Lord God. And we ask that we would not be hearers alone, but that we would be doers of your word, that we would be obedient to what you say to us and what you call us to do today. We pray this all in Jesus' good name. And everyone said, Amen. you may be seated in the presence of the Lord. your hand if you need an outline just put it up the ushers will make sure you get one we want to make sure everyone has an outline and for those of you that are following along with us in our Bible reading challenge today is day 85 and we are in the book of first Samuel chapters 17 through 19 and so if you haven't been reading along I encourage you to do so um, if you have been reading along then I encourage you to continue to stay the course in the scriptures ultimately the reason for the challenge is to help us all to grow in our devotion to scripture and to grow in our devotion to spending time in the Word of God daily and so that's my encouragement to you and we are continuing in our series in the book of Hebrews here chapter 11 we only have a couple of weeks left um, we have this week and then I think two more weeks after that 
and then we'll be on Easter Sunday. So I, want, I pray that through this time that we've been together that you have been learning some stuff, but more than just learning it, I pray that your faith has been being built and that you are growing in your faith and in your devotion and understanding as we're you know, looking at the videos and the video shows the different pictures of different lives of people of faith and the things that God used them for. And all of Hebrews chapter 11 is about that. It's about the faith of these people that we can look at and we can imitate their faith and ultimately looking to Jesus. So in your outline there in the beginning, it says, in, in, or the first paragraph there, and looking at the story surrounding the walls of Jericho, we see a correlation to our lives in that there are obstacles we must overcome to fulfill our purpose and there are securities that we have that will potentially fail us and God is the only hope to deal with them both. And so do you hear the, the idea is, the, or, the, or the title of the message is Faith Around a Wall. And someone asked me earlier today, um, or not earlier today, but earlier this week, they asked me what I was going to be preaching. And so I told them the title of the message and kind of walked through them with it. And then they asked me, it was a mom who, who asked me that, and then the daughter was standing there. And the daughter said, so are you going to make a joke about the wall and Trump? And I was like, no, I was not planning to do that. But nonetheless, since we're here, I think it's important to realize that walls don't always work. Amen? I'm just saying. I just, you know, kind of think about that. So you may want to, you know, tweet that or something. Else. But, but anyway, the, the reality is the walls of Jericho show us some stuff, right? And so our security can't be in these walls. And then obviously we all have some kind of obstacles in front of us, right? Some things that are there to hinder us from fulfilling God's purpose and God's will in our lives. And these both, both of these characters here, one being the nation of Israel and two being this woman by the name of Rahab, they met around this wall and their faith did something extraordinary. And so our faith, second paragraph here, our faith must rely upon a source that doesn't change and that offers us assurance in the face of questions and uncertainty. Faith alone will not make us stand, but the object of our faith has the ability to keep us standing in victory or leave us defeated in delusion. So what, what, what happens is in our day, when you talk to people, there are plenty of people out there, you know, that have faith, right? No matter what, you can be an atheist and you have faith. You have faith that there is no God. Are you here? You are banking that there is no God, that after you breathe your last, that is the end of the story. That is, that is what an atheist is banking on. So they have faith. They have great faith. Hello. I'm just saying, it takes more faith to be an atheist than a Christian any day. I'm just going to say that right now, okay? Because when you look at all of creation, you look at everything around, I mean, everything points at minimum, all right? It might not point directly and clearly to Jesus, but at minimum, it points to some divine design. Are you here? It points to someone being behind all of this. And so at the end of the day, everyone has some kind of faith. And so even people, you know, you talk to people about their faith. Do you have faith? And they'll say, yeah, I have faith. But here's the thing. It's not just about having faith. It is about where is your faith. It's not just about saying, well, yeah, I have faith in God, but, but, but where is your faith or in what God is your faith? Because that, that determines whether you walk out the other side of situations in your life in victory or, or, or in delusion. And when I say in victory, it doesn't mean that every single thing that you're going to go through is going to turn out the way that you want it to. Are you here? It doesn't mean that you were not victorious because you're, guess what? You're still walking with the one who gives you the victory. 
That's the reality. And so the truth is it's us being able to walk with God and not coming out in delusion, but coming out in victory no matter what it is that we're facing, whether it's a wall that we're standing on, and I'm going to talk a little bit about that for security, or if it is a wall that we are facing that we are trying to overcome as an obstacle in our life. Third paragraph, Israel and Rahab serve us as two contrasting characters, one, a covenant or chosen people with promises and years of experience with God, and two, a prostitute heathen woman, part of a city under God's judgment, who both met at the same wall from different sides, but equally put their faith in the same God who revealed his glory in both of them. Two totally different people here, right, that we have. And so every, you know, we, we, you have some people over here, they're the covenant people. You're walking with Jesus. You're serving God. You know, you're seeking him, pursuing him. And you know what? You're going to face some obstacles in your life, and you may have some walls that you are holding to as security blankets for your life. And guess what? There's other people that you may be in this room, and you don't really walk with Jesus. Jesus, Jesus is not the God of your life. You're not serving him. You're not walking. You, you're, you're more like, and I'm not saying you're a prostitute. I'm just saying. You're more like Rahab, right? You're more like over here on this side, far away from him. And guess what? God brought both of these people together around the same wall and did something amazing through their life. And so here is the big idea for the day is no matter where you are, faith in God is the most important element in your life. No matter where you are, whether you're confronting an obstacle, whether you have security in something else, no matter where you are, your faith in God is the most important element in your life. And so if you don't get anything else out of this message today, get that. No matter where you are, no matter, what you're, no, no matter where you stand, no matter where you or what you're going through in your life, the most important thing is your faith in God. That's the most important element. And so the first thing I'll ask you to repeat after me is this. Say, faith in God, faith in God. can turn our everyday, turn our everyday. actions into eternal impact. Faith in God can turn our everyday actions into eternal impact. And so when you think about it, look at verse 30. By faith, the walls of Jericho fell down after they were encircled for seven days. And so notice in this verse here, obviously in many verses like this, it doesn't give us all of the details of what happened. But when you go back to the book of, 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 of Joshua and you look at what happened exactly, what you find is that they were told to do, they were told to do some things that were everyday actions. Walking. How many of y'all walk? Everybody in here walks. Most of you, right? I mean, I, I mean you know. Only one person was wheeled in here today. I mean, but, you know, we all walk, right? We walked from our cars and in here. And so walking, that's a pretty common, you know, everyday action. The other one is shouting. How many of y'all shout? Yeah. Amen. Amen. Right? You shout, right? We all shout. We all walk. And so that's what they did. And then, you know, playing the trumpet, right? So playing the trumpet, a little bit less common, right? Unless you know how to play. Hello. Right? Like, you know, Isaac, he's a pretty, you know, I've never heard him, but well, I have heard him. And, you know, I've heard more about him than I've actually heard him get down. But he's pretty amazing from what I hear. Amen. Right. And so for him playing trumpet, that's like, you know, a normal thing. Right. And as amazing as Isaac is, like if he played the trumpet right now, the walls wouldn't fall down in this building. Are you here? Right? Like we get a whole orchestra in here and they could play and it may shatter some glass if they hit the right note or whatever, but knock down some walls. I mean, that's, that's, that's unheard of, right? It kind of goes with what Pastor Aldo was saying earlier, you know, incredible, right? Like stuff like that, right? Like, like things that are beyond the norm. And so the reality is God told these guys to do something that was normal, everyday activities. Just, hey, I want you to walk. And at some point, we're going to blow these trumpets, and then you're going to shout. That's it. And, and all of this is going to be combined with faith. And that's what we need to understand, is that these, the, these things, in conjunction with obedience to the Lord, these became the ordinary elements God used to bring down the fortified walls of Jericho, giving Israel their first victory in the promised land. Are you here? 
This is what they did. The first, the first thing they did, the first place that they confronted when they came across the Jordan. Now, mind you, they come across the Jordan in a glorious way, and, and obviously God splits the Jordan open for them, so that way they come into this promised land, and he's making a statement at that moment, letting them know that the same God that brought them through the Red Sea on dry land is the same God who's walking them on dry land into the promised land. So anyone that's in front of them is what? They are seeing that God is doing something. They're hearing that God is doing something through them. None Nonetheless, they come to this place of Jericho, this city. The walls are fortified, strong, a strong city. You can't penetrate these walls. And they start walking around in circles. Hello. He didn't tell them anything else, just told them to do that, simply obeying what God said. God took an ordinary, everyday action combined with faith and made the way of victory clear to Israel, which began their journey in establishing their nation, but more importantly, the continued preservation of the bloodline of the Messiah. See, because remember, this is not just about God giving them land. This is about God preserving the bloodline of Jesus. He brings them into this land, and that way he can preserve them as a nation. So that way they're going to be in a place where God is going to secure them and keep them. But it's all about the preservation. It's all about the pointing forward to who? To the Messiah that's going to come. That's the big reason why this is all happening. God is showing his way and showing his will, but proving, listen, I'm going to maintain the bloodline of my son that's going to come. I'm going to bring him through Israel, so I'm going to establish them as a nation. Here's what I want you to understand. Our everyday actions must be filled with faith. Our everyday actions must be filled with faith. And this may not seem like, you know, it's, it, it's, I don't want this to just go by you. I want you to think about that. Our everyday action, you know, think about your activity, right? I, I don't know what your everyday actions are. Maybe, you know, you wake up in the morning. I don't know how you do it. You know, maybe you hit the snooze button six times because that's your routine. Hello. Right, that may be. Maybe you're a non-snoozer. You don't hit the snooze button. The alarm goes off. You know, maybe you're like Pastor Chad. He gave, gave us a great idea yesterday. For those of you that have issues getting up in the morning, he said, you know, if you have a coffee pot, this is pretty cool. I thought it was pretty funny. Um, you know, what you're gonna think you understand why I think this is funny. But you have a coffee pot that you can set it as a timer, right? He said, what you do is you take the coffee pot, set the timer for like you know, 10 minutes after your alarm clock goes off, and then what you do is you don't put the carafe in there. Why? Because if you, if, you leave, if you don't get up and walk to that coffee pot, guess what's happening? Coffee is coming down all over your kitchen counter. Hello. And so if you have issues getting up in the morning, that's a way for you to get up out of your bed. Hello, somebody. And so nonetheless, that may become your routine tomorrow. All I'm saying is that you have a routine. And so you get up in the morning, you, you, know, you, you roll out of bed, you, you know, go to the bathroom, brush your teeth, get your coffee. You, know, you go from there, you kind of you get dressed, whatever it is, and you go from that point. You, know, you get in the car, drive on your way to work, listen to whatever radio station is you listen to so you can stay up to date with all the news, get to work, punch in the clock, sit down at your desk, da 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 and what I'm telling you is that that is so terrible to live like that. Like that is, such, I mean, such a terrible way of living and not because you're not doing anything by faith, right? What are you doing? It's just the everyday grind. Hello. I have a shirt that, you know, we, we had a, a, a vendor that was here for one of our youth events. And, you know, the, he's, he's a Christian guy and he has Christian apparel. So he has all these different types of shirts. And there was one shirt that stood out to me and it said, it says, grind hard, pray harder. Hello. Because we all grind hard, right? We all, we all trying to do, I mean, we're trying to make it happen. And, and, and the shirt is saying, listen, you need to pray harder than you're grinding. In other words, everything you need to do needs to be filled with faith. 
And so thinking about the reality that you have been called out of darkness to live a life that brings glory to God. And so what is it? What am I saying here? Well, Jesus says in the book of Matthew chapter 16, he's having a conversation with his disciples. And, he's, and, and, and in this conversation, very important conversation, he goes and he, has, and he asks them a question. He says, who do, you, who do men say that I am? He said, well, some say a prophet, some say this, some say that. He goes from that point on. He says, okay, I've heard what they say. What do you say? Now this, I'll say this again later on, but hear me when I say this now. The most important question that is asked is, who do you say God is? The most important question is, who is Jesus to you? Not who Jesus is to your mom. Not who Jesus is to your grandmother. Not who Jesus is to your uncle, your aunt, your cousin. Your No, no, no. Who is Jesus to you? Who is he to you? It, it, it's, an important, it's an important question to ask because it's going to determine how we live our lives. But nonetheless, he goes from there and he says, okay. And then Peter, he comes out and he says, you are the son of God, right? He says, you are the Christ. You are the son of God. So he gives him this, this declaration. And then when he gives the declaration, then Jesus says, well, flesh and blood has not revealed this to you, but my father in heaven has revealed this to you. And then he goes on to say this. He says, and upon this rock, he says this, upon this rock, what's that rock? That rock is the revelation of who Jesus is. Upon this rock, you know, he tells me, you know, your name is, you know, now it's Peter, right? And so he's telling him, upon this rock, I will build my church. But look what he says in the next, in, in the next part of the verse. He goes on to say, and the gates of hell will not prevail against it and before we talk about these gates I want to point something out in a couple of weeks I just said this you have a couple of weeks in this series because we're going to come on to Easter Sunday and so what I want to do is I want to challenge you to do something and it's two things here number one is I want to challenge you to begin to pray from this day on regarding Easter Sunday I want you to start praying for the worship team I want you to start praying about any specials I want you to start praying for me as the preacher I want you to begin to be to start praying and asking God to do what to move upon hearts let me just say this real quick don't just pray for core faith church i want you to pray for your church for sure but you need to pray for the body of christ because there are plenty of people who are going to make it into the doors of churches all across this nation and the nations of the world and we need to be praying that there would be a harvest on that sunday that those folks that only come to church on holidays will experience a holy day and be changed by the power of god that the revelation of jesus would encounter them that's what we should be praying for right so i want to ask you to do that the second thing i want to ask you to do is you need to start praying for and thinking about who you are bringing are you here I know some people they decide to take Easter off because you come to church every other Sunday so you figure Easter there's gonna be full so I'm not coming listen don't do that don't do that that's not a day off right that's like the listen that's like the Super Bowl for Christians are you here right like like any any, any football fans any raise your hand if you're a football fan even if your team didn't make it anywhere ever um, it's okay but here's the thing it's, it's okay. It's all good. You're still, you're still like football, right? You still enjoy it. You're, you're, you're hopeful. Amen. You're like, I have faith this next season. Okay, next season, whatever. But here's the thing. It is like you watching every single game all the way up to the playoffs, everything. Your team is making it to the Super Bowl, and you just say, ah, I'm not going. How many of y'all would do that? None of y'all would do that. You don't even like football. I mean, football, and you would not miss it like that. If you, if you were forced, let's say your husband or your wife, because maybe she's the one that likes football, force you to watch this, and you're like, I'm going to the Super Bowl because I saw this. The whole thing is this. Same thing for Easter Sunday. 
That's our Super Bowl. That's the day that we get together and we celebrate the resurrection of Jesus. And so number one is to pray. Number two is start praying for that person that you are going to bring. And make that a point that you're going to bring someone that you have been praying for. And so you got three weeks or two, two weeks to start praying for and asking God to do something in someone's heart. But back to the story here. So Jesus says, upon this rock, I will build my church. The revelation of who I am, I will build my church. And the gates of hell will not prevail against it. The gates of hell will not prevail against it. And so I don't know about you, but when I was, when I was younger in my faith and I started, you know, reading that scripture, for some reason, I just saw the church as like a compound with gates around it. I don't know. That's the way I pictured it. Like there was gates that were keeping us in. But then I started to realize that's not what it is. It's not gates that are keeping us in. It is that we are part of a kingdom breaking into places where the enemy has fortified himself. Are you here? And so what did I say? I said, we need to be the type of people that are what? That everyday actions are filled with faith. That I wake up in the morning and, and, and okay, I'm going to get up. I'm going to make my coffee. I'm going to have that. I'm going to listen to my radio station. I'm going to do all that. That's fine. I'm not telling you to stop doing any of that. But what I am telling you is that you need to be bathing your day in prayer. You need to be coming to your day and saying, okay, God, today is, is another day. Today is Monday. I know y'all excited about tomorrow being Monday. Today is Monday. And I don't want to get up today. But what I do know is that there are people that need you. And maybe between the time that I drive out of my house and arrive at my office or wherever I'm going, there is someone that needs to encounter you. And here's the thing that I want you to get is that Jesus said, upon this rock, I will build my church and the gates of hell would not prevail against it. And so we need to realize that the king dwells in us, that the king lives in us. And if the king lives in us, you know what that means? That means that the kingdom lives in us. The kingdom moves with us. And that as we are living our lives, we are supposed to be moving forward by faith, not on just the grind, but can I call it a faith grind? Hello, somebody. On, on a grind that I am living for the glory and the honor of God, and I am seeking a way in order to do what? To break down the gates that are binding the lost, that are binding the hurting, and in a way to enter into their lives and bring deliverance to them. That is what I'm meaning by everyday actions being aligned with faith. That every day that when I get up, I'm not just on another grind. Come on now, man. I mean, look, you should be having some expectation in your life that God doesn't have you just walking around in circles. Hello. I'm saying he doesn't just have you walking around in circles and you don't have, you know what? Here's what Jesus said in Matthew 28. We just heard this the other week because I preached it. We're talking about discipleship. He said, go ye therefore. What did I say? Go means it meant as you go. He didn't say, listen, you got to take a different route. He said, the route that you go on. Are you here? The route that you go on, where you are every day, there are gates that, that, that are surrounding you, that the kingdom of darkness has penetrated. And you and I have to realize that we have a kingdom that's within us to bring deliverance to those who are in bondage. That's what the king said. And so the second thing I'll ask you to repeat after me is to say, faith in God, faith in God. will keep us, keep us. even yeah. when our securities fail us. Faith in God will keep us even when our securities fail us. Look at verse 31. It says, it said, by faith, the hearted Rahab did not perish with those who did not believe when she had received the spies with peace. And so understand this. When we look at this story of Rahab, where you see her mentioned here, she is probably one of the most least likely persons that you would think would make it to the hall of faith. I mean, let's just think about it right now. Okay. She was, she was a heathen. Okay. Okay. Meaning that she was not part of the chosen people. 
She wasn't, she wasn't Jewish by birth. The second thing that she has against her, she's a harlot. Today's vernacular, she's a hoochie. Right? I won't use the other H word. But anyway, she is, she is all that, right? I mean, she, she, she's not the girl you're bringing home saying, hey, Ma, I want you to meet my girl. That, she, she's not the one, right? She's not that one. She's a different one. She's not that one. And so ultimately, she is the woman. And let me, let, me, let me tell you how amazing God is in her life. Her faith allows her to not only save herself, not only save her family, but if you look at Matthew chapter 1, right, you'll find something. You don't have to turn there now. Matthew chapter 1, verses 4 through 6, you're going to find that she makes it into the bloodline of Jesus. Talk about being amazing God. This, this woman, so, hey, anybody in here? There's hope for you. Hello. Right? I mean, I'm just saying, like, there's hope because of what Jesus does. But this woman makes it there. She comes. All she has, she has a little bit of information about God. She's, she, she's that special character. And she is able to witness. Now, look what she does. She receives these spies into her home. And she asks them, you know, for mercy. And then what they do is they give her some instruction. She follows the instruction, which we'll deal with in the last point here. But the point is that she brings the, she witnesses to her family, obviously. She talks about the deliverance to the point that they listen because guess what? They were delivered with her. This is what she does. She's going there to be a witness. And so when we see what she had, she has what? She has limited but accurate knowledge of God. You can write this down. Joshua chapter 2, verse 8 through 15, when she's having the conversation with these spies. And then we also see not only does she have accurate knowledge of God, but she also lives in a really secure place. She lives on walls that are not coming down. She lives on this wall that is a fortified place in the city. And so she lives there, so she's pretty secure. But you know what she had? She has this understanding that, man, God is coming into this place. And guess what? These walls can't stand against that God. These walls cannot stand against that God. See, there is no more important question. I said this earlier than to ask, than to answer the question, who is God? Our perspective of God will cause us to trust him with our lives above the tangible things that we could trust or place our trust in which may fail us. You see, we look at these walls that I'm talking about, her wall, right? That was her place of security, is it not? That was where her home was. I mean, how many of y'all, I mean, when you go home, like, you feel like, you know, you're safe, you're secure, don't you? I mean, how many of y'all feel safe and secure pretty much when you go home, right? You feel it starts raining. You're not, like, walk, running around with buckets, you know, thinking about, man, is the rain going to come through? Unless start thundering lightning in, the, in a hurricane, that's a different scenario. Then you get a little nervous. Unless you're like me, I just sleep through hurricanes. Hello. And it's just because, I'm going to tell you why, just not because I'm so full of faith, but it's because one year they made all this hoopla on the news about this hurricane that was coming. And I went outside, I went and, I went and bought all kind of wood. I'm outside drilling holes in the side of my house. I mean, I'm, I mean I'm a, my, you want to talk about fortified? It was fortified. Hello. Man, I'm laying in the bed, and all I see is a little thing go like this. I'm like, are you kidding me right now? I went through all of this. I said, you know what, babe? I am never again going to put up a board in this house. Hello. I will pray to God, and if he wants to take the house, take it. If we're going, we're going. I'm, but I am not boarding up anything. And so from now on, and you can ask her all the time, like, hey, glory to God. We'll get some water just in case the water goes out. But that's about it. I ain't going through all that. Anyway. The point is that we all feel pretty fortified in our homes, right? We feel pretty secure in our homes. We feel, we feel pretty secure, you know, wherever we're in our workplaces. You know, our workplaces, we feel pretty fortified there, don't we? I mean, you know, most of you, you know, you feel good. I mean, I hope you do. If not, well, praise the Lord. You got a God you can put faith in no matter what. But we feel secure. Like, we think tomorrow we're going to go to work tomorrow, right? Most of us, right? We're not thinking that we're going to pull up to our, jobs, our, our, our job site or wherever we're working, and there's going to be a gate around it telling you all, turn it back, go home, it's closed down. Which has happened to people. 
They thought they were going to work Monday. They got up early. They did their whole grind. They're like, oh, my goodness, I got to go do this again, blah, blah, blah. And they got like, oh, wait, something just changed. Right? <laughs> I'm just saying. So ultimately, you know, we have security. Our health is that, you know, our security. You know, some of you, you know, are more secure in your health than others, right? But ultimately, you know, we feel like we're pretty healthy. We're good to go. But I'm going to tell you something. This is the reality, and this is sad. But the sad truth is that there are some people, and I pray against this happening in any of your lives, but I can't control that. God knows all things. But here's the thing. There's some people, they're going to go to the doctor this week, and they're going to get a very bad report about their health. And the security of their health is going to be pulled out from them. And it's not because they were eating bad, because there's plenty of people that they never ate a bad thing in their life, and they end up with something wrong with them. It's not all of that, right? There's some people that are going to receive a pink slip and you are not going to have a job. I mean, that's just, that's just a reality. The question is, who is your God? The question is, where is your security? Because faith in God is going to do what? It's going to keep you when those securities fail you. See, that's what happened to Rahab. She was being confronted with the almighty God who was coming against those walls in that city. And she knew what? I need to call, call upon the most high God and put my faith in him because these walls are not going to sustain me. Are you here? Third thing, I should repeat this after me. Say, faith in God, faith in God will, always will always be demonstrated, be demonstrated in, obedient in obedient action. Faith in God will always be demonstrated in obedient action. See, while Israel, God's chosen people, and Rahab, a heathen prostitute, have little in common, their faith in God was demonstrated in, in, in obedience, and that action unites them. You see, what happens is this woman over here who was, or this woman that does not know the covenant God of Israel, she is not even a, a believer in, in, in the laws of God. She's not trying to obey the laws of God. All she has is a revelation of 40 years of, of God delivering the people of Israel out of Egypt. She has a revelation of what's been going on in the desert time, that they were there in the 40 years there. She has some revelation of some things. She's been hearing stuff that's been going on. And so that's all that she has. And this woman puts her faith in God. She cries out to God for mercy. She says, look, man, I you know, I, I've heard about your God. And what was she proclaiming? I mean, when you read it, she's proclaiming, listen, your God is amazing. Your God is awesome. Your God is all powerful. And somehow she thought her God might be merciful. Are you here? Because she asked for mercy. She's like, listen, let us be saved because I, you know, life for, you know, they said life for life because she saved the spies from being killed or being, you know, captured. And so ultimately what we have here is this woman, she goes, she puts her faith in God. But you know what she does? She has what? She has words from the spies. And all she has, she didn't have the Bible. She has words from the spies. She said, listen, this is what you need to do. And what does she do? She does exactly what they said. That's all she does. She obeys what she knows. Can I tell you something? God is not asking you to be more obedient than what you know. He's asking you to obey what you know. Are you here? The problem with us is not a lack of knowledge. It's a lack of application. Are you here? The issue is not that we need more knowledge. It's not that we need to read more books. Hello, somebody. I know Griselle's very happy right now. <laughs> Every time someone brings an issue to me, I'm like, hey, I read this book. And she's like, I'm not telling Ish Bishop about nothing. <laughs> I read because, you know, I try to, I don't, I don't read a whole bunch, you know, a lot, a lot. But I read enough. And so, you know, ultimately it's like, hey, I read this book. This really helped me, gave me some good principles. But can I tell you something? Keep, you know, if you go ahead and you read a book, like let's just say you read books on, we'll, we'll just talk about finances. Can I tell you something? You read five books on finances, you know what you're going to find? All five books said the same thing. I have no idea why people are buying more books on finances. But nonetheless, they keep buying them. They keep producing them. And it's just what happens. You go ahead and buy, buy, book, buy, buy some books on marriages. Very few are you going to hear books saying anything different about marriage. Are you here? 
It's not an issue of knowledge. It's an issue of application. And so Israel is different. Israel has what? They have years of experience. They have the revelation of God from Adam to Moses who gives them the law, who gives them all of the commands of God. They have 40 years of walking with God in the wilderness. And they hear God tell them, I want you to walk in a circle for six days. And then I want you to walk seven times on the seventh day. I want you to blow the trumpet. And I want you to shout as loud as you can. Those walls are going to come down. And what do they do? They believed him. They did what God tells them to do. What I want you to understand is that faith in God will always be demonstrated in obedient action. Please hear that. Faith in God. If you say you believe God, if you say you believe who God is and you believe what God says and you're not obeying him, you're lying. See, because here's the issue with us. It's real easy for us. We all want that God that we can trust for everything that doesn't ask anything of us. Are you here? That's what we all want. We want that God. That, that, listen, that's what the world wants. They want to say, oh, I trust God. I believe God. Come on, y'all have Facebook. Y'all have those different places. You hear people, you read people writing about how they trust God, and you know they ain't living for God. You know them. You're like, what are they saying? Like, you, like, like you don't even want to like their posts because you're like, I don't even want to endorse their hypocrisy. Let's keep it real. At the end of the day, we have to understand this. When I say I have faith in God, when you say you have faith in God, there better be something following. You know, when it says here, it says that she wasn't saved. Now, read it with me, verse 31. Look what it says here. It says, by faith, the harlot Rahab did not perish with those who did not believe. Now, I want you to notice where it says those who do not believe. The correct translation or the better translation of those words there is actually those who didn't obey. She didn't perish with those who didn't obey. This is what it's talking Because here's what happens. Belief is not, is not something that's just solo by itself, but it's always connected with obedience to the word of God. And so here, here's what I want you to get. Our obedience to God is a direct reflection of our faith in God's ability to accomplish his will in our lives. I'll say that one more time. Our obedience to God is a direct reflection of our faith in God's ability to accomplish his will in our lives. Listen, we obey because we believe. We believe in the one who tells us what to do. When I tell my son, hey, do this, and then I let him know these are the consequences if you don't, guess what? If he believes in the consequence, he's going to do it. If he doesn't believe in the consequence, he's going to go ahead and make me count to three, and guess what? I don't count to three. And we know that. Listen, it's not just the negative side of this. It's the positive side. If I tell my daughter, I tell my son, hey, if you do this, I'm going to give you this, and then guess what? They believe I'm going to do it, so you know what they do? They do what I ask. It's the same thing with our Heavenly Father. If he asked us to do something, he is telling you he is going to accomplish his will. And so here's my closing question for you. Where is God asking you for unwavering obedience? Where is it? He asked, he asked the children of Israel for unwavering obedience. Walk around, blow the trumpets, and shout. Unwavering obedience. Don't doubt. Just do it. No matter how foolish you look, don't doubt. Just do it. Do what I say. Rahab, listen, do this. Tie this thing on the door so we know that you're there. And do this, and you're going to be saved. That's it. Unwavering obedience. So where is it that God is asking you for unwavering obedience? Is it in your finances? It could be. Is he asking you for unwavering obedience there? Is it in your marriage? It could be. Is he asking you for unwavering obedience there? Is that the place that he's asking you? Is it with your kids? Is it, is it, is it in your workplace? Where is it that God is asking you for unwavering obedience? And here's, the, and, and, here, and here's that question that you've answered that one. So then the thing is, are you obeying or are you making excuses? 
Are you obeying or are you trying to figure out ways not to? You know, I, maybe I can do it a different way. Maybe there's another way to accomplish this. No, no, no. It's God's way, and that's it. It's his way. If you want his will, you want his power, you want his grace, agree to his way. Listen, obedience is not always easy. Typically, it's difficult. It's painful. But it always produces the fruit that God wills. Amen? So I stand on feet. Let's pray together. Father, we are grateful to you today for your goodness to us, for your grace and your kindness. And we humble ourselves before you, Heavenly Father, thanking you for what you have done for us, thanking you for your greatness, thanking you for your power, but thanking you for the examples that we see in the scriptures that we see your covenant people walking with you and you doing a great thing in them. And we also see a woman who was not a covenant person, who you took out of the darkness, who you took out of that separatedness from you and you brought her into a relationship with you to the degree that she's part of the bloodline of our Savior Jesus. And so Lord, thank you so much for these examples. I pray for each person in this place today. I pray for those that are struggling to obey you in that area, God. You know the nerve that hit, Lord God, when I asked that question. You know what is in, in, in their heart right now, that, that, Lord, they're wrestling with you right now. God, I pray that you would give them the grace to surrender. Give them the strength to yield to you. And I pray for the rest of us in this place, Lord God, that may be walking with you, that may be obeying you, Lord God. Help us to obey you more faithfully, more consistently. And Lord, I ask you that all of us would live our lives for your glory, for your honor, and for your holy name's sake, Lord God. We thank you for this, and we pray this in Jesus' good name. Everyone said amen. You can be seated in the presence of the Lord um, really quickly. Um, I just want to, I, I want to make a, a mention of a brother and a sister that are here. Um, Damian and Iris Armin are here today. Um, they are, they have, a, they have a ministry in Puerto Rico called Ministerio. I'm going to mess this up, but I'm going to try anyway. Ministerio Arca del Pacto Cares. Was that close? Cares? Close. It was close. It, it was close. But anyway, would you stand up really quickly? Um, they're, 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 it's, it's Church on the Streets. You can stay standing because we're going to pray for you in a second. But um, it's, it's, it's Church on the Streets is the ministry. And from what I understand, they go out there and they just recently got a building. Um, just a, you know, really awesome thing. But they go out there and they're preaching to people that are drug addicts and that are just, I mean, just really going through it. And God is using them in a great way. Uh, and so, you know, we just want to pray for them. So if you would, if you're near them, just put your hands on them real quick. And if you're not, just stretch your hand that way. We just want to pray for them that God would give them grace and strength to continue to do the work that God's called yes. them to do. Father, we thank you for this couple, Lord God. We thank you for bringing them here today. And Spirit of God, we lift them to you right now. And we thank you because you are a loving, gracious God. Yes, you are. And you call us into mission, Lord God, in every day of our lives. And we thank you for this couple that has given themselves, Lord God, to serving you and, Lord God, to doing a work that many people don't want to do, Lord God, that many people ignore, but they're answering this call. And so we pray for them today that you would strengthen them, that you give them peace yes. and strength, Lord yes. God, as they continue in this battle. As we, as we heard in your word today, Lord God, we thank you for your kingdom that is upon them, yes. that is 
within them, Lord God. And we pray that you would use them, Heavenly Father, mightily to tear down, Lord God, those gates of bondage, Lord God, and the lives of those that are addicted, that are in bondage, Lord God, that are in slavery to sin. Lord God, use them mightily, Lord, to be a voice, to be a witness, Lord God, to be powerful tools and vessels in your hands, Lord God. Father, fill them with your grace, Lord God. Provide for them every one of your every one of their needs, Lord yes. God, in order to continue to serve you faithfully as they are, Lord God. We pray for your favor upon them in all things, Lord God. Yes. And we ask you all these things, believing, and we pray this in Jesus' good name. Yes. Amen. Amen. Praise the Lord. And if you want, if you want more information from them, if you want to support their ministry and just you know get more info, please see them after the service. I'm sure they'll be out there in the lobby area or, or outside in the front. So that's very important to us. And I'm gonna also ask my brother Eric to come over here and sister Cheryl.